ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Let's Talk 20s podcast. I am Tanner, your host, alongside my lovely co-host, Connor, for yet another episode of the Let's Talk 20s podcast. Hello. For this episode, we are talking about underestimating your ability. Connor, what do you think about this topic in general before we hop into the first question here? I made some really lame decisions to not pursue things in my life because I've underestimated my ability. So I was excited to talk about this because it's applicable to me and I'm trying to not underestimate my ability and trying to go for things more now so that I don't live in regret. So yeah, this is something that I did a lot of when I was younger and in middle school and when I was in high school and when I was in college, I did it a lot. I went for things, but I never really went all out for them because I underestimated my ability. So I'm glad we're talking about this, my friend. How about you? Yeah, I, uh, this topic is definitely something I've done in the past and I've uh, improved on for sure. But this topic is so relevant to, I mean, everyone at one point or another has underestimated themselves, right? That's our human nature to kind of be a, a little more shy and not really understand our full ability, especially for those of us in our 20s, really trying to get out of our shell and start this thing called adulthood and figuring our own lives out. I think we underestimate our ability and we really think that we can't get through life. But at the same time, after talking with my parents and other adults that are middle-aged or older, every single person has underestimated their abilities or they thought that they wouldn't make it. And they just kind of faked it till they make this, as some people would say, and they're perfectly fine. So this topic, I think, is very relevant to the podcasting, but also for me and also you. Mm -hmm. Some questions we're going to ask during this episode here. What are solutions to solve the mental block of underestimating yourself? Have you ever not committed to something in your life because you haven't been confident in yourself? I ask if you think there is an increased percentage of people in their 20s underestimating themselves now in comparison to other generations. And then you kind of ask for some advice, tips and tricks for those who underestimate their ability and don't make decisions mm -hmm. to do something because of their lack of confidence and much more in this episode. So Connor, I say we hop into this episode. What do you think? Hop in. You just dive fucking, in. You just dive into it. Well, let's dive into it, Connor. For the first question, I want to ask you, kind of starting on a personal note here, what factors impacted you the most for you to underestimate or understand your abilities the most? There's a couple of things, and, I, and I'm glad we're kind of starting out personally, because it's a very personal topic. It, it can affect a lot of people and affect your mental health in a lot of ways. If you underestimate your ability, it plays into confidence, it plays into expectations. I definitely think for me, like the start of it, I was already kind of doomed to maybe, maybe always compare myself because I'm a middle child. So I always am comparing myself to my older brother and my younger brother. I can't really help it. I'm just kind of sandwiched in the middle where my older brother he was the, always the one that did the first of everything. And then my younger brother is like a genius and he's so creative at so many things. So I always like compare myself to the two and never think I'm good enough. And I did that from a very young age. So I always kind of like took a backseat role into what I could do. So there was that. 
And then even in my friendships too, especially at the beginning, I tended to befriend people who were more like go-getters and who would like push to do stuff. And that started changing as I got older because I realized maybe that's not what I wanted to do. It's just kind of like the role that I fell into, but I don't think intrinsically that's who I was. I started to make friends like that. But then I remember in fifth grade, like a close friend that I have now, David, he was one of the first people that I became really good friends with because I was a little more vocal and like push more with what I wanted from the friendship. And because of that, I felt more confident and I wasn't underestimating my ability. But then middle school happened when I got, I just kind of got bullied a lot. And that made my confidence just tank completely for yeah. a long time because I probably overestimated my ability to an extent. And then I was ridiculed for it to the point where I just thought I was screwing up all the time. So that happened for a very long time. And that's kind of like a, a thing that I go through. And then it got a little better. It's kind of like a cyclical thing for me that has to do with my early childhood, my friends, my family structure, as well as just, I think my personality in general and some of the mental health things that I deal with just with depression and anxiety also play into me underestimating my ability because unless I felt absolutely confident in something or really rather what I used to associate confidence with was having no anxiety with it, which is not the same thing, then I wouldn't go for it. And the reality was I would just constantly underestimate my ability and what I could do. So it was a lot of factors. What about you, man? The biggest thing about moving around so much growing up was that I underestimated my ability to actually feel, not to feel valued necessarily, but it was kind of weird because I always put this mental block up when I moved and made friends growing up because I knew that I was going to leave them eventually in a weird way. I was just so used to moving that no matter how close I got to people, you know, it, it would hurt me because I knew I would leave them. And back then I would never see them again, right? We didn't have Instagram or Facebook or Obviously, we were young, yeah. so we didn't have cell phones like kids now. And the, I mean, it was just the way it was. It's not like I had a terrible childhood by any means. I was extremely blessed with all the experiences I had as a kid, and I don't hold it against my parents. It was just my mindset that I formed due to moving so much. So uh, that's it's my defense mechanism. Yeah, I it, mean, it's it, a defense it mechanism. And I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. And I mean, that was my, it was my defense mechanism too, to kind of ball up and kind of retreat just because I didn't want to take center stage because there were so many people that I felt like naturally did it. I just kind of retreated and I was like, oh, I'm just going to let everybody else do it. That'll make them happier. And that makes me happier. And it does make me happier to support, but you I also were did... for your friends. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. that's, that's, you know, it does make me happy to an extent. Absolutely. It does. You know, I love seeing the people in my life happy and grow and push themselves. I love supporting that, but there's a, there's a part of me that's going to always need like a little bit more. And I didn't know how much more that was until I started actually accurately measuring my ability. And it took a lot of me regretting things that I didn't commit to because I didn't think I was good enough to do them. So I want to ask you on that note, have you ever not committed to something in your life, like some kind of thing you could do because you haven't been confident in yourself? You know, what was it? And do you still regret not going for it? Yes. Um, there, there's a few things, but I think the the big one was when I was in college and it's just because I was having a rough time being an RA and there's, I mean, I'm not going to get into all that, but there is so much that happened when I was an RA that affected my mental and physical health and everything. And my classes when I was at college for veterinary science were extremely challenging on top of that, like taking organic chemistry and stuff to me that, that just didn't click. Some people took OCHEM and it clicked instantly for them, which bravo if your brain's wired that way. But it was hard for me. 
And so I underestimated my ability because I was doing poorly in my classes and everything else about my life seemed to be falling apart in some way, or at least what I thought was my life was falling apart in a way. And so that was really hard for me to even remotely think that I'm doing an okay job. And ultimately because I was losing interest in the classes and because I was doing poorly, but it was partially because I wasn't putting the time and effort, but partially because of my life circumstances that I switched majors. And that's why I switched from vet med to exercise science. Wow. I didn't know that all of, I mean, I knew some of it, but I didn't know that was the lead up to it. Yeah, that was, that was pretty much the lead up to it, man. And it sucked because I don't think I'm like a genius by any means, but I think I'm smarter than I give myself credit for. And if I really pushed through those classes, I think I would have been fine. And growing up, I always, veterinarian was always my number one thing and right. uh, loved animals my whole life. And to kind of give up on something like that was a really big pill for me to swallow. That's the first time I've really quit something like that. And it, what yeah. I quit loose I mean, term. You didn't quit. You just, you just changed. You know, it's hard to give up. Do I regret it? No, not necessarily. I mean, I think there's a reason for everything. So for me to look back on it and think what, where I would be now or what would have happened if I stayed with that, you know, maybe I wouldn't have even met or dated my now fiance because I would have gone to vet school probably somewhere down like Auburn or somewhere like that. And so I wouldn't have committed to even start to date Cameron. And now she's my fiance. You never know what can happen out of things. So I don't necessarily regret it, but. That's my long story. I'm sorry. What about you? No, no. I, I, I loved hearing about that. I like I like it when we go a little more personal. And like I said, I didn't know that that was everything that led up to why you didn't do the vet thing. But I mean, like you said, look at where you are now. You know, you never know where life's going to take you. And it's it's a good path that you're on now. I have one thing and, and I've talked about it on the podcast before. And it's one thing that kind of symbolized more that I still to this day kind of wonder what would have happened, but I don't regret it as much as I used to. But basically in high school, I wanted to try out for the musical because I always thought that I would really enjoy doing that. I was super into musicals at one point and I enjoy singing. I, I don't think I'm like a great singer, but I, I enjoy it. And I just like the act of doing it. So I thought I could do a musical and I thought maybe at some point that I could do like Broadway acting or something. I just thought it would be fun to kind of go on stage and do stuff like that. But I just didn't think I was a good enough singer. I didn't think I was physically capable enough to do that. And we had so many talented people at our school that did that, that I talked myself out of going into it. And I tried to remedy that and like kind of wreck on that a little bit in college because I tried to be an actor at one point, but I didn't do it my way at all. I paid a bunch of money for these people to tell me what I should do. And oh. they basically were looking for very specific personalities at yeah. this place that I went. Instead of molding you based on what you could do, they turned you into what they wanted you to be for the types of films that they needed, basically. It actually made me feel worse about my ability because I didn't fit the mold of what they were looking for. And I think they thought, because I kind of looked like a pretty boy back then at the time, I think they thought that that's what my personality was going to be like. So because of that, I didn't fit the bill. And so I just underestimated my ability more to be able to do that. And I never really went for it after that. I, I don't really regret it because I kind of got screwed over at the end. And I made friends with a guy in the industry who writes his short films. So I'm still really good friends with now, actually. I've talked to him about what I value in my jobs and stuff. And he's like, it, this probably isn't for you, honestly, just based on your personality, but that's totally fine. You have an appreciation for it. So 
I used to regret it a lot more because I wondered what could have happened. But at the end of the day, I'm still young. Who knows? Maybe if I'm old and I'm bored and I have time, maybe I could go in a musical production. You never know what life's going to throw at me. Maybe I'll find an opportunity. But at the end of the day, I don't regret it because I now feel more satisfied with what I am doing. And I do feel like I'm expressing myself in a similar kind of way uh, as to where I don't feel like I've completely lost that. So, yeah. Well, you can dwell and ponder on the what ifs. And if you regret something like that, then, you know, it. it's not really going to do you any good by doing so, which we literally talked about on a recent episode. But yep. I'm glad that you decided that it wasn't for you. And then someone else told you that it wasn't for you, because that would have been even worse, almost, in my opinion, for you to stick through and try to commit to it just to prove people wrong. And then you try it and realize that, Oh, it actually isn't for me. So. Yeah. And I mean, that's not, that wouldn't be a failure or anything. Like at least I would know for sure if that's for me, it's just sometimes you don't need to do that. Sometimes you need to commit to it and that's fine. Maybe pursue certain parts of it, but I don't know. Other times you can just trust yourself. And Mm -hmm. I underestimated my trust I had for myself, my ability to trust in myself with that. So I was like, oh, I have to do it so I can really find out. But now I trust myself more. I can just let it go because, you know, it's not the end of my life by any means. And who knows what will happen. So, yeah. Absolutely. Connor, I don't know if you think it's due to people discussing mental health more. I don't know if you think it's because there is an increase in mental health issues as part of our generation and people in their 20s are growing up. But my question for you is, do you think there is an increased percentage of people in their 20s underestimating themselves now in comparison to other generations or no? I want you to explain your reasoning. This is more of an opinion, what you personally believe, but I was just curious what your thoughts were about this question. This is this is, this is a hard one because there's, there's yeah. a lot of factors at play for both sides. Like I could see why for the now, yes, in the sense of there's more, well, one, like you said, there's more focus on mental health, but that's just because of social media and there's more exposure and there's more access to information about mental health. So people just naturally are going to talk about it more because it's in like their brains more and we're thinking about it more, number one. And then I also think, yeah, like people are getting diagnosed with things more. And I think because of social media, people compare themselves more. And so if they can't reach the level that they want to reach, they might underestimate themselves. Yeah, I do think that I could see the reasoning for that for for now. But I, I don't know if I could say it's more compared to other generations, because I think that there's always levels of people and levels of things that you might compare yourself to. It just might not have seemed as widespread because we didn't have access to the connection with each other that we all do now. If I'm thinking of underestimating themselves, I'm thinking of people underestimating maybe their looks or people maybe underestimating what they can do in the workplace, the types of jobs they can get. So I'm thinking about more traditional structures back in the 50s and 60s when men and women, women could only get certain jobs and certain types of men we're only delegated to certain jobs, right? So because society is more accepting now in that aspect, because there's more access to things, I think (laughs) that you could say that people aren't, but I do think that the focus on it, I I would lean towards now. In conclusion, I would lean towards now just really because of social media and comparisons. I I think that's more widespread than maybe the systemic 
kind of things that people went through in other generations because it's so much more widespread and you can compare yourselves to so many more things rather than the systemic stuff being as widespread as it was. And not saying it wasn't widespread, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, this was just an interesting question. I just wanted to, to, yeah. to hear your thoughts on it. What do it. you think? Honestly, you, you, you really said what I was thinking. The main point of it in comparing this generation to other ones is that society now is way more accepting of discussing these kind of things. For example, this month is Men's Mental Health Awareness Month. 50 years ago, when, like you said, it was a more traditional society and everything like that, men, in terms of what was published, what was publicly said and everything, men were way more private about how they felt if they did have mental health issues. I think just because of the platform of how maybe society has opened the door of actually recognizing and accepting mental health disorders, diseases, everything like that. I think that plays a huge factor in terms of why it is possibly more common now for people in their twenties to underestimate their ability. But at the yep. same time, you can't, you can't really say that with hundred percent confidence just purely because of what was traditional and, and how accepting it was for you to actually speak out about these kind of issues. Like you said, exactly. So. That was the that was the main point I was kind of getting at with that Makes question sense. about just curious what you thought about it. Yeah, and I mean, it's a tough question to answer. That would be really hard to analyze if that were true or not. And I I think one thing that we have on display nowadays with social media and comparisons is people put themselves out there a lot. So they, they let people see who they are. They let people see their strengths. But in contrast to, you know, you're putting all of yourself out there. So people might see your, some of your, what you consider your weaknesses or your flaws too, because you're trying mm -hmm. to be a little more raw and emotional. Like you said, this month is men's mental health month, I think, or mental health month for men. And I yeah. think that's great. But I'm curious, kind of pivoting gears, but kind of talking about what we've been talking about because there's so much more focus nowadays on this kind of stuff, I feel like I tend to think about my flaws and compare myself more. And I think this plays a big part into underestimating your ability because if you feel like you have a huge weakness and you have a huge flaw, you're going to underestimate your potential and like what you can do with it. I think one of my biggest flaws is I'm a people person. So sometimes I underestimate my connection with people because am I just trying to be friends with them because I just want to make them happy or something? It's like, no, maybe I just want to talk to them, for example, you know? So what do you consider your biggest flaw and how does it relate to the topic? And do you think you could be overestimating the impact this flaw has on how you underestimate yourself? Or do you think you could be underestimating your potential with your flaw and maybe you're thinking that it's a really bad flaw, but it's really not as bad and you could conversely be underestimating your ability? Does that question make sense? My biggest flaw is the high expectations I hold for myself. But then part two of that is kind of doing that with people in my life, holding up people in my life with almost the same expectations I have for myself. And it's definitely something I've gotten better at, but before if people don't see my way or it makes me sound like a dick. I never cut people out of my life because they didn't, they didn't act the way I act or anything like that. But right. for, for me and my abilities and my work ethic or the way I wanted things to be done, people didn't see it like that or kind of agree with me. It was, it was hard for me to get over that hump. So for, for me, that flaw definitely makes me underestimate my ability because now in my own head about. How am I treating other people? And am I being too hard on myself? Because if I am being too hard on myself, more than likely that is reflecting 
on me being too hard on other people in my life, such as Cameron or maybe some other friends in, in my life. Yeah. And obviously that's not a healthy habit to have. So I think that and thinking about that flaw has definitely exaggerated the effect of what my flaw is for sure. It's made me think about it more, but almost made me think about it too much to where now I start to doubt myself just because I'm trying to make sure I'm not being too hard on myself. Like, where do I draw that line? You know, I'm trying to still figure out that line. So what about yourself though? What, what's your kind of biggest flaw and deal? It, it, I mean, it's funny. It is similar. It kind of has to do with the high expectations, but really I think it just has to do with me. I'm just an overthinker yeah. at the end of the day. I just, I overanalyze things. I overanalyze the impact on what my actions are, what other people do. And I overanalyze myself so much that I think it also bleeds into me overanalyzing other people's actions right. and me thinking that I know exactly what people are thinking at times. And I've run into problems where I've maybe not been as sensitive as I should have. And I, I don't like that because it's making it to where I'm not maybe as present as I should be. Some people in my life, like, you know, my mom, my little brother, Nate, Shay, I, I can tell that I... It may be sometimes overanalyzing it to the point where I'm expecting too much and maybe we clash. And then I'm like, you know what? It's not really fair of me to expect that of people and to get to that level where I overanalyze it because maybe not everything has a reason. Maybe, for example, if somebody's having a bad day, it doesn't always have to be for a very concrete reason and they don't always have to explain it to me. I'm not really overestimating the impact this flaw has on my life. I'm probably underestimating it because I'm so focused. I'm almost selfishly trying to deal with it so much with myself that it impacts the other people in my life because I'm thinking it's selfless for me to analyze this and care about this so much, but really it's kind of selfish. And that's where I think like you and I, I think our brains are similar, but I think we differ in some ways. And I think this is probably one of those things, but I can relate to what you're saying definitely because that has bled into my life in several regards. And when I overanalyze it, then I don't think I can do anything. And then I totally underestimate what I can do about it. We always end with advice. We always like to make it applicable to the 20s. So Tanner, we talk a lot about our own personal journey with underestimating our ability. I think this has been a very personal episode. And I think it's good for people to hear that because you know, you're not alone. Everybody deals with this kind of stuff. But in our battles to kind of figure out how we can better estimate what our accurate abilities are. You know, what kind of advice can you offer to others who underestimate their ability and maybe don't make decisions to do something because of their lack of confidence in their ability? Man, that's such a, that's such a hard question. And really you could talk about this for a long time, but as soon as you finish that statement, I think the key word of that whole question is lack of confidence. And when I think of confidence, the only way that you truly build confidence is by trial and error and finding that success and using that success as fuel for maybe another challenge that you're going through a trial and error. And then maybe you try and fail a little bit and you get a little discouraged, but then you succeed in that. And that becomes your fuel for the next problem. And it's this domino effect. And so if you're underestimating your ability and you can't make decisions to do something because of your lack of confidence, my advice to you in general to, to be short about it is you have to build that confidence up because you can psych yourself up and hype yourself up, say all these things, and maybe commit to something temporarily. But if you're still very timid about committing to that action or to that thing, eventually you're going to revert back to underestimating your ability and being back, you know, shy and at square one. 
So I think the key thing there of that statement, Connor, is the lack of confidence and turning that into confidence and realizing that you will mess up, you will fail, but everyone does. There's no one that is 100% good at something every time. And I think that's the part that in terms of the consistency and actually trying to get to a point where you're comfortable, I think the journey is the part that intimidates people, but everyone has taken a similar journey to get to where they are. You know what I mean? So I would I would say you just have to try to build that confidence up, try and fail, realize that you may fail occasionally, but that is completely fine because everyone fails. And it's just how you turn that failure into a lesson rather than letting that deter you even further and realize from your mistakes, turn those into positives and then go at it again. And I promise you, if you keep trying, eventually you will succeed. And once you do, that can turn you're underestimating your ability into actually fully accepting your ability and becoming even better from it. But that's, that's the first thing that popped in my mind. I'm sure if I sat here for a little bit longer, I could think of something better, but that's just, that was, that was well said. Oh, thank you. That's advice that I would give. Absolutely, man. That's something that I would not just give, but I would take that advice trial and error. Definitely. Cause you never know if you're going to be good at something until you do it. And you're never going to get good at something until you practice it. So I think that's I think that's great advice. And I think my advice would be also not just to practice like what you maybe lack the confidence in, but practice forgiveness for the results that you're going to have when you're trying something like this. Because I think, at least for me, and I don't know if everybody's like this, but I feel like I underestimate my ability because maybe I have a mental block about something, but when I actually try to do something about it, I overestimate the level that I'm supposed to be at when I actually try at it, right? And I overestimate the impact that it's supposed to have, like I'm supposed to have this profound realization when I try my hand at something that I'm going to be great at it, for example. The thing that I feel one of the most confidence things in right now is my bass playing, right? But when I first picked it up, I had fun, but I didn't have this profound, I'm a bass player. I'm going to do this. No, I didn't have that. I just, I just enjoyed it. And I just started playing. That's all that, that, that there was. It wasn't anything more simple than that. And I didn't expect myself to get to any level. And if I had bad practice days, I forgave myself. And I eventually got to the point where I used to underestimate my ability with it because I was self-taught, but now I don't because I have learned the level of things that I know that I can do is actually far greater than some things that even some stage musicians can do that actually go tour, for example. So I don't underestimate my ability because I've learned to forgive like the expectations that I've held for myself and what I'm supposed to accomplish with what I'm trying to get better at. So I had to practice forgiveness for myself and I had to practice forgiving that doesn't mean i suck at this and that doesn't mean that i can't do this that just means that i'm learning still so kind of hand in hand with yours when you do trial and error and when you make an error practice forgiveness so that you can get back on it i almost think of it as you don't know when you're going to succeed so if you fail four times in a row maybe that fifth time is the time when you do succeed and and you only tried those four times it can always be that next one around the corner i think that's the part that keeps me going, but that's the part that a lot of people maybe tend to lose sight of with trial and error is that they try a few times and find no success. So then that's it and done, which is not the case, but yep. All right. Well, Connor, great advice, man. I think this was a fantastic episode. Another one down underestimating your ability. I appreciate you being a lovely co-host as usual, Connor. 
Best host ever. Everyone. That's you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's the best host ever. That's you. Hey, I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Another episode down. I appreciate everyone who has watched or listened to this episode on YouTube or Spotify. Follow the Instagram Let's Talk 20s podcast. And I hope you guys had a great week. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. And as always, guys, peace. Peace.